Hey guys, good evening. Welcome to another episode of the Service Without Excuses podcast. We talk about different subjects um, and we do great interviews from time to time with with really fascinating guests that can help your business grow and, and really uh, help get you where you need to be with your own particular uh, company. And one of the things that we do between all those different podcasts and different great interviews with these phenomenal guests are talk about different subjects that people bring to us in our coaching practice and maybe uh, direct message me, email me, asking regular questions. This one is not that it came out of left field, just not a normal question I would get. So the question in particular that they had was, my accountant says, yes, we're going to go into accounting. And again, I understand enough to be dangerous and understand enough of it to have it in the business, but I by no mean giving financial advice, you should talk to your accountant you know, CPA in particular, to get this in detail, how you should file this. But I'm going to tell you the rules of, the rule of thumb, so to speak, for how you look at it. In their business, they they try to understand when they were taking their business and their income as cash versus what's called accrual accounting. And cash versus accrual. And what's the difference between the two? What makes one uh, work completely different than the other? And what benefits one um, in your business so I'm going to try to explain it in the service business terms, not the uh, not the uh, accounting terms or a uh, person. Uh, my wife obviously does a lot of this accounting stuff for a living, so she would be much more knowledgeable at this than I would. Um, but I think she can agree with some of the things we're going to talk about here. Um, cash accounting. Okay. So there's different forms of cash accounting. Cash is versus accrual is when you're recognizing the income, the money. Are you recognizing it now or are you going to recognize it later on on your books? Your books are your financials, your your balance sheet, your profit and loss, your your numbers that tell you where the, your, the health of your business is. So you, you're looking at what things are. So for an example, where you can use cash accounting versus uh, accrual accounting in particular, a lot of people take and do a job. Okay, it's big in the contracting field because they're usually larger numbers, and they won't. They'll take it as a job, but they won't recognize it on their books until they're completely paid for the job. Now, if that job happens to happen within a revenue stream of a month, two months, three months, depending on where your reporting requirements are in your, in your state or wherever that happens to be, um, you know, should I recognize the income now or should I recognize it when I get paid? Legally, in most states that I'm aware of, you're supposed to. Uh, recognize it when you invoice it. Now, the invoice might be done, your job may be done in two, three weeks, and you're not going to get paid for it for 90 days, six months, God forbid, something very, very long. Legally, you're not supposed to wait the six months to report the income, to report the bill. Once you recognize that bill, that that invoice has been done, that's when you're supposed to technically report the income from that standpoint on your you know, books or whatever that happens to be. However, it doesn't always happen. Everybody has different uh, thoughts and philosophies, and every state does very different depending on what the accounting uh, portions are. But um, the big thing, the easiest way I had to recognize it is if you go into a store, say a Target, a Walmart, a big you know chain store, and they have all this inventory in there, okay? They have TVs, furniture maybe, um, books, food, no matter what. You are paying, you are going and acquiring those things right now, and you are paying for them upon completion of your, of your, of, of every, all the groceries you get. So when you're checking out, that's when the cash is coming in, whether it's coming in through a debit card, credit card, God forbid, um, and, or cash, whatever that happens to be. 
um, that it's being recognized right then and there on their books that they sold this item. One of the things, obviously, in retail stores is they have an accounting system saying, okay, we had 10 55-inch TVs at this store in Des Moines, Iowa, and now we had nine, so we have to order because we only have one or two TVs left, depending on whatever that happens to be. They're receiving the cash that day, but they might not pay for those TVs for 60, 90 days. They might not have to upfront the money. Now, some of the bigger companies, I'm sure, you know, they don't have to put much or anything up front. They get it long term. But if you're a small mom and pop store and you're selling TVs, there's a good chance you're going to have to pay for it. If you own a music store, and that's something I, I, I know very well, and you go and you buy a guitar. Most of the time, you have to put that money up front when you order the guitar, um, but you might have that line of credit there that you've built up with them, whether it's through a financial institution separately, whether it's through the manufacturer. You might not have to recognize that and pay that immediately. So even if you sell the guitar, you might have that on credit. So you sell the guitar today, and you don't have to pay for it for 90 days. Um, it's very, very common in the auto industry. Um, a lot of auto dealers, their notes become um, due at a certain point, so they have a little bit of flexibility to get a, a car on the lot and then remove the car very quickly, uh, but still don't necessarily have to pay for it up front. Uh, you know, when they sell the car, they might not have to pay for it. They might have to pay for it in 90 days, 60 days to pay for the car because they've built that relationship up where they don't have to physically put the cash up front. So they can build up some equity themselves and then pay for the car and so forth and so on. They obviously still have to pay for the auto they bought. They just don't have to put the money up front. That's a small example of, of some version of cash and cruel accounting. Cash accounting is what you're taking in today and reporting today. Accrual accounting is what you're putting on your books, but you're not necessarily receiving the payment today. So it depends on when you're putting it and you're, you're taking that income in um, and what it's considered as. We personally, in our business, we steer toward, just because of the revenue we do, we're more accrual accounting because we have a lot of receivables that sometimes people have. We do try to keep them to a minimum, and we honestly do a very good job of it. I, I got to say that. But say you're in the disaster restoration industry, which I used to be in, and a lot of people listen to this podcast are. A lot of times they're taking the job, doing the job now. They might not be paid on that job for 60, sometimes 90 days from an insurance carrier or whatever. That might be whatever the arrangement is, or that's when they're paying the bill. Um, you are actually doing accrual accounting. So you're realizing the income. You did the job, and job was $3,000, we'll say. $5,000. $5,000, make it easier. You did the job. You finished the job. You invoiced the job. You're technically supposed to report that income right then and there, but you haven't received the money yet. That's where the accrual accounting comes in. If it was cash accounting, you would do the job and be paid today. So I go out and I clean somebody's carpet and tile, and then they pay me today. That's total cash accounting because I'm doing the job, schedule the job, and I don't have to – as soon as a job is paid for, I have to say that that income has come in, that that revenue has come in. That's cash accounting. That is what is there today. Uh, there are different forms, and it gets more complex than that when it comes to cash and accrual. So again, don't take my advice for accounting advice. I can't talk that way. I can only tell you the understanding I have from what it, what it refers to as a service business. You're not necessarily going to pay that debt today. Another example of it, you request, you collect sales tax. They don't pay you to collect sales tax. It is your obligation to the state you're in to collect tax revenue and then pay it depending on where you're at with it. But traditionally, most businesses are quarterly. Um, some have to report a little more often depending on how much revenue it actually they produce. But most are every quarter. They're paying that sales tax, you know, the, the first quarter, second quarter, third quarter, fourth quarter in your given year. So you have to look at that and go, okay, um, 
I don't, I'm not paying sales tax today, but I'm collecting the sales tax now. And at the end of the quarter, I will pay the sales tax. I'll remit the sales tax to the state of here, the state of New Jersey. So that all gets up. It goes into our books. We realize it immediately and we don't pay it to the state as soon as we receive it. So it's not like we do a $300 job and 6.625% has to be paid to the state immediately. They haven't gone that far yet. They may, I don't really care how they do it because I'm not spending any of it. It's not my money. Um, it's whatever the the clients have paid for the service, the state sales tax. That is a form of receiving the cash today, but not paying it accrual accounting. Some people do something incredibly stupid, but it does happen, is they take that tax revenue and say it's a substantial amount. They've done a big job and they've gotten an extra $800, you know, $2,000 to $2,000 in sales tax. They now take that as spendable income. They don't put that in a separate account. They don't treat it as a separate issue and they'll spend it. And then at the end, they'll try and recover it from the back end of other jobs. Very stupid move. Um, it's very much like payroll taxes. Very stupid move. You just you can't do that. You can't use that money there. When sales tax comes into New Jersey's best, it is it is going into. It's not a physically different account, but it is a different account, and it goes into a different area where it gets reported differently. So we get the income, and we pay it quarterly here. We're not you know high revenue. We're paying it above that or anything to that uh, point. But we're still trying to we're still going to pay that in 90 days. So they're going to let that all build up and then they're going to take a debit out of our account and pay that 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 uh, that sales tax, that sales tax and every job is remitted to its own set. And when we balance the books, it's put to a different account. It doesn't mean it's a different cash account doesn't mean it's a different bank account. It means the account is a sub of that account or whatever that is. Or you can do if you're larger, do a separate account. You should always have that sales tax money put aside. You don't own it. It's not yours. So you can't get cute and get clever with it and think, well, I just got an extra $2,000, $3,000 in my account because I didn't have to do it. You don't have it. So you should never use it. Account for it just like an investment if you need to. Account for it like it's uh, a tax. It is a tax. Um, and never touch it. But that's a tiny example of receiving the cash today but not reporting the cash or, or remitting the payment until three months later or whatever that happens to be. It could be two days later. It could be three months. Depends on where you're, you know, at in your cycle, your quarterly cycle. So cash accounting in the simplest terms possible is accounting where you're receiving today and paying today, showing the income on your books today. Accrual accounting is doing the job, invoicing the job, but not receiving payment till later time. Um, you're still, like I said, in most states responsible to pay for that job immediately once you complete the job. Even if you don't get paid ever for it, you're supposed to report to the state. And at the end of the year in the federal government right at that point, and at the end of the year, if you don't receive the payment, then you go into the write-off process and you go to whatever process you have in your business to recover people that are, you know don't haven't paid the bills. But you still have to report the income. That's your legal obligation, both on a federal level and a state level everywhere I'm aware of. So think about it from that standpoint. What is cash accounting to a service business? If you're in a service business like a power washing, a pest control plumbing business, I have a friend that's a plumbing business, mostly all residential, holds basically no uh, you know, no uh, long-term expenses when it comes to revenue. He's not, he's not holding the note on anybody. He wants his uh, money that day and he's not going to have high – 
ARs. He's not going to have a high accounts receivable um, section. He wants to be paid that day. Well, that's the smartest way you can do it if your business allows you to do it. If you're a service business, like a cleaning company that's paid, you know, whatever. But you could be a commercial cleaning company and you might get paid from a particular person, you know, once a month. So you're doing, might do, you know, $10,000 worth of work in a month. You don't get paid till the end of the month. Well, that is a a form of accrual accounting because you're doing the job, but you're not getting paid till the end of the month on the job. You're building up this huge, you know, $10,000 revenue from them, but you're not realizing the money because you don't have it in your account where I could go and clean somebody's tile and grout, which I am um, tomorrow. And that income gets reported um, that day. It gets, goes on my books and it's paid for and it's received. And it's now going through the pipeline of the state and federal government, all agencies are always questioning where our money is really going. And, you know, right now with everything that's going on uh, with the administration, Washington, like most administrations in Washington, not just them, um, it's it. They, they don't have an idea. They don't have a clue um, how to run a small business. So they'll, they won't spend the money. It's other people's money. It's not your money. It's not your, your gamble. But it is your business and your reason to be very smart from an accounting purpose wise. If you have not at some point in time gotten a mini financial education, understanding how things work, how statements work, how you report things, what is compliant within your state, I suggest you do. There's lots of courses online too. There's QuickBooks teaches courses, but there's a lot of accounting courses. Years ago, I had to, now I had some training before, but I had to go to a community college to learn the business end of it. And I took a course, I took a class, uh, you know, and, and learned all this stuff from the, the simple debits and credits and, you know, what's what and how accounting works and, you know, no, nothing on a major scale, but certainly more than enough to run a business. And then if I ran companies where I had to u- utilize that to balance things out and pay for things and look at numbers when it comes to um, daily operating from, uh, you know, our material costs, our labor costs, all the costs, all the costs of goods sold or cogs. I had to understand those things in a business to run. Um, you should understand those things in your business. What are cost of goods sold? It's a very important part. I don't care if you're in a service business, which again, most people listen to listening to this podcast or you're a restaurant. You need to understand your cost of goods sold. Your labor costs in a restaurant might be lower, but your cost of goods or food or uh, could be alcohol, could be whatever, might be higher than that labor cost. And now in the service business, our labor costs are highs by far. It's We have a ton of other expenses, but the biggest variable is usually labor because you have to have skilled labor in this business. You have to have somebody that knows what they're doing. They're in a house working with machinery, working on materials in a home that are extremely expensive if something goes wrong. So you have to have some skill level. I don't care if you're the lonely carpet cleaner things. I don't have to know that. It's just plush carpet and Berber carpet, and that's it. My guys are good. You make a mistake in that house, it could cost you dearly. So you have to make sure the people are going into your house or business are doing the work. Any service-based business, I found you have to have some experience. The more, the better, of course, but you have to have some type of variable expense. So I hope this actually explains a little bit to you um, in detail about what cash and accrual accounting in a very minor, minor, minor Notice I said minor level um, gives you kind of an idea of what one thing is versus the other and how it can apply to your business and what you should know um, regards to that. Again, you should talk to a CPA. They are your financial advisor. Nothing here is financial advice. Nothing can be given a financial advice. I don't have any accounting degrees, so I can't give that. I can only tell you what seems to apply to a service-based business. And the good question was a good question. The question was a, a real legitimate, honest to good question. I was actually surprised to get it from the person because the person runs a much more successful service business than I do. And he had very little concept of of uh, what it actually breaks down to. He never had to worry about that. He always worried about the operational stuff and never – he had people around him to do it. But he's like, just for my own you know, purpose, I hear this term, I hear this, and I don't know. It shocked me that he 
of all people, you know, this is a multimillionaire, didn't understand what this really was, but he didn't. And I just gave him my thing. And then, of course, he got involved with it and thanked me for giving him some idea because I said, yes, listen, you got to talk to the people that handle your stuff and really keep yourself compliant. But you should always be financially um, smart. Tell you a quick story. I had a business years ago and had an accountant, a CPA, that was in my place once a week. Very expensive, big bill. We had bookkeepers too, so don't think they were the only person doing it. We had a full time bookkeeping company, not even person, not even on staff, a company to come in to maintain it. And then once a week, an accountant, a CBA, CPA, certified public accountant, very, very expensive person, very expensive bills. And their job is to keep you legal requirement and give you the financial health of your business real. One of the things this person wasn't doing wasn't it wasn't up on some of the reporting guidelines, which meant once your business had a certain threshold, um, your reporting requirements changed. It wasn't a quarterly reporting requirement necessarily anymore for certain things. Um, it was a monthly because we had hit a threshold where it changed. That person did not know that. And we had that accountant and CPA, the CPA in particular for years. What happens? The IRS comes in the state doing a regular routine exam. And how they decided to come in was I used to pay them things that were not taxable in the past that I thought were because it was just flat. This is 6% in the state of Pennsylvania. This is what it is. And this is what I'm reporting. And the next year, we didn't report all of it. We weren't hiding it. We just didn't have to legally pay it and charge our customers. And we'd find out through the insurance companies, you know, you shouldn't be charging me sales tax on this because that's not compliant. It's not legal. So we did our research. We bought a much better system that broke it all down. Of course, the state and the government gets less revenue because they weren't taxable. We found that out. Red flag comes up. They come in. They do their job. They're doing their job. I, I can't get mad at them. We didn't do anything wrong when it came to financial. Our books were, thank God, in order. But our reporting requirement was not in order for a number of years. Well, everybody says the IRS gets you with interest. It's just not true. For the most part, it's not true. They get you in penalties. The penalties are much more severe than that. And if you have an issue with them and you're a one-time person, they let the first thing go away. That could be just the first quarter that you made a mistake. That's fine. But they're going to go back every other quarter and they have to assess a penalty to every time it's doing it. And you're, of course, going to lose your mind and say, well, I owe all this money. I had, I had a book. I had a book here. I had a CPA. How, why would I owe all this stuff? And isn't it their responsibility to be up on these things and, and their responsibility to make sure that I am compliant, that I'm in line with everything that has to be reported? And the gentleman looked at me and goes, I'm, I'm sorry to tell you this, sir, but you're responsible. When you sign those financial documents and those things at the end of the year or every quarter, it says, and I quote, you cannot hold your financial person. Now, it could be a civil issue you want to go back on. It can be a reporting issue to the state, you know, uh, the, the commissions that are, that are associated with a CPA. Um, there's a lot of things you can do. But what you can't do is put the blame directly on them because you have to have the financial education to know what's right or wrong. You should be able to trust them. You're absolutely right. But at the end of the day, the buck stops with you. Shocking, isn't it? It cost me a boatload of money. However, it gave me a very valuable lesson in my business going forward is to make sure I was always compliant and to make sure I hired companies to make sure I was compliant and never, ever, ever as the word assume or as assume acronyms, assume makes an ass out of you and me, as that's a great acronym for it. It's a true acronym. If you don't know, ignorance is not going to get you away with it. Being stupid or being ignorant about what something is, 
is not going to let you get away with it. The IRS will not give you a pass. They'll give you a short a little pass, you know, a for one-time offense pass, and then they're going to zap you. And you can settle all you want. You can call these tax people. Let me tell you how that works. If you've never had any violations, you do get a one-time break from the IRS, but it's a one-time deal. And your entire life, you, that's the one time you're going to get a pass. It's never going to happen again. So if you have a bigger screw up in the future, you're on the hook and they will do whatever they have to do to recover that, including taking everything you have. Guys, my whole point of this, and it certainly didn't start out this way, is get somewhat financially smart. Get financially smart, not somewhat. Understand what you need to do in your business. Understand how you got to look at your books. Understand how you can look at your reporting. Understand your basic, simple accounting so you can be on the same page as another person. If you have somebody that is not on their page, and they should be, but they're not, at least you have some knowledge in your brain to go, wait a minute, I don't, I, don't, I don't understand that. That doesn't make sense to me. At least question it. I'm not telling you to question everything your CPA or your accounting professional tells you, but I will tell you if something doesn't seem right, you might want to make that second guess just to be on the safe side. And if they're not, if the feeling is not good they're giving you, then maybe you need an outside opinion. So we did, and that's how we found out the account was uh, screwing things up by hiring a bookkeeping service outside instead of the person in the first place. And that person said, you need to fire your accountant immediately. They're incompetent and blah, blah, blah. And you know, I didn't want to go that, but it, it was that far and it was that bad. So give yourself some financial uh, literacy when it comes down to it, all right? Maybe listen to Dave Ramsey or something. Stuff's actually pretty good. I don't always agree with Dave Ramsey, by the way. I listened to something yesterday and he was telling a person that wants to start a, a food truck business, per se, um, that they don't have to set up as an LLC. Well, it's technically true. There is a technical ability to true. However, an LLC is very inexpensive to set up in every state. Filing fees, whatever. If you even hired uh, LegalZoom or whatever, you're going to pay seven, eight hundred bucks. If you do it yourself to the state, you're going to pay a couple hundred dollars. You're going to throw a little more red tape, but you're going to do it. However, I would never open my doors in America today without at least an LLC, which gives you some liability. And that's a whole separate issue we won't get into. That's a whole different day, and hold, it would take hours to explain that one. But you should at least have some liability away from your personal assets. So when he said to this person, you don't need an LLC, you do. And I understand from a technical standpoint, you don't because there's no reporting requirement that you can be a sole proprietor, owner-operator, the basic two. However, that liability falls on your personal assets if you get sued. You, if you get in trouble, it goes right to your personal stuff. So you've got a nice house, that nice house is probably gone if you get in big, big enough trouble. So you need an LLC. So my point is, even Dave Ramsey, as as popular as he is and how smart he is, he is, he can say something that I just could not disagree with more when telling a person that is going into business as a food truck operator serving food in front of people that they don't need to have an LLC, that they that's not a legal requirement. It is, but it's stupid advice to tell somebody that they don't need to have one that that already believes they do need to have one and have probably been told it through research or through a person an expertise that you do need one, that you have to have. It. So don't assume he's a huge expert and I have a lot of respect for Dave. He's a really smart guy, great person on the radio, but I profoundly disagree with that advice just because it can, it can come back to bite you and it will bite you if you get in one lawsuit. That's simple. All right, guys, thank you so much for joining us on the Service Without Excuses podcast. Another little technical advice uh, segment today. Uh, we're sponsored by Sotellus, Sotellus.com. That's S-O-T-E-L-L-U-S.com forward slash Rob Lyon. It's R-O-B-L-Y-O-N. They're our sponsor as well as New Jersey's Best. You can go to NewJersey'sBest.com. They have a slew of services, including ours, carpet cleaning and other services that are uh, primo here in the state of New Jersey and people want to find who they can reliably work with. 
and hire and can be a competent professional and uh, trustworthy in their home. So thank you so much for joining us. We'll join you in another episode. Have a good day. Thank you.